0: Before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years, I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant friend and confidant Nick. Hello. Oh, hello everyone we're in tears again
1: we're just devastated like so many people must be we're just devastated i'm just looking now at the youtube video of of Sinead with this song and
0: she's just so beautiful But her voice i mean and it was so uncompromisingly irish And it was just beautiful, wasn't it? It was like a folk song. And it's weird that this little black man in Minneapolis wrote this song and it took this fiery, uncompromising Irish woman to interpret it. Apparently he wasn't very happy that that she made it so successful and they didn't get on. And Prince was one of the loves of my life. I, I absolutely loved him and I love Sinead O'Connor. Every week on top of the pops, that video played at the end and we were all in tears. I think what was so beautiful about it was she wasn't covered
1: in makeup, she had her head shaved, she had no background, everything was just black. It was just her beautiful face and this incredible raw authenticity. That come out from that voice box. It was incredible. Yeah, she
0: didn't have to have the body of an Olympic athlete. She yeah. didn't have to do dance routines. She didn't wear a skimpy costume. To me, she was in in the tradition of of, of women like Joni Mitchell.
1: Yeah, um,
0: and Carol King. You know, Carol King on one of my favorite albums on the cover. She's just in a pair of old jeans with her cat. You know, there wasn't this sexualization of women, and to me, you know, in 1990, Sinead embodied that. You yeah. could be natural, you could just be raw, you could show your emotions, but it still meant that you were strong.
1: Yeah, and you and, and I've always been this big fan of these big, powerful female singers, you know, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, Christina Aguilera, you know, all, all these amazing soul singers, Aretha Franklin, that belted it out, you know, and they, they just sort of were just powerful But this is just so simple. And and I don't even know, honestly, anything else that she sings. Truthfully, I don't. But this song was so important to me. And I remember breaking up with someone. It was my first real love, my first real boyfriend, proper boyfriend. And we broke up. And I listened to this again and again and again. And it had just been when we suddenly started getting MTV at home when we still had videos like cassette recorders and I recorded this video and I watched it again and again and my my mum was like oh for god's sake turn it off but it just literally every raw emotion I was feeling
0: at the time no I'm very very upset about it and you know I met someone 2 or 3 weeks ago um he deals with um celebrities, rock stars, CEOs of companies. And he said to me that, you know, ninety percent of them are not happy. Yeah. And I just think it's such a big price to pay, isn't it? That you have success. But they don't seem to be happy. I mean she had a very tortured life. She lost her son. Um to suicide which i don't think she really recovered from she was wrapped by grief which obviously you would you would be
1: yeah well she was very controversial wasn't she she was in, in her political opinions in the way she expressed herself in in um giving up everything for a religion she was she was hugely controversial but she was interesting and complex and authentic and honest and I absolutely
0: respect her for that, and and, and incredibly talented. And and Tracy Thorne, who's someone else I admire, actually, from everything but the girl, she says, I think what's so hateful about the Guardian Sinead O'Connor obituary published today is the way it frames Sinead's whole life in negatives, probably because a man wrote it. Yeah. To quote, she lacked obsessive drive. She never had another hit. She had an inability to edit her pronouncements. She was unable to compromise. So it was negative, 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 negative. Why should she compromise? And that, but, You know, 99.9% wow. of people don't produce a work of art that you remember forever. Forever.
1: Absolutely. Or, or that sort of touches you in a way that that is really deeply profound. I listen to a lot of music. You know, there's a lot of songs that come and go. But there's very few but actually stay with you in that in that really sincerely profound way that touch you when you are at your lowest or, or happiest or whatever, but that's the song you go to. I mean, that is the breakup song. It's the breakup song, isn't it? We've had a two soups
0: experience, haven't we? I have finally lived two soups. Now, when Nicola and I started doing the podcast... <laughs> He revealed these chasms in her knowledge, <laughs> probably because she's a fetus. It's because I'm but so she young. thought Monty Python was a person. Shut up. <laughs> I've not heard of him, she said. <laughs> she'd never heard of Tony Hancock, and she'd never watched the Blood Zone episode mm. where he gave, a, what, it's a full arm, a whole armful. I haven't. I haven't. And she hadn't heard of Two Soups. The so Two Soups is this amazing Victoria Woodshow sketch with Julie Walters where she plays this ancient waitress in sort of hose and a pinny. Uh, uh, and for you, sir, and for you, Batter? two soups. And she keeps shuffling off to the kitchen to find out if they've got what she wants. So Nick and I went to see Oppenheimer last week, and we had something to eat beforehand, and we had the two soups waitress. We did. It,
1: it, it was hilarious. I don't. I don't think
0: watching the sketch is the same as being in it. So Nick kept asking her questions. Well, is is the bread in the pizza vegan? I'll go check.
1: <laughs> 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 and in the end, I said, "What's Because we were running really late. So I said, "What's the quickest? Is this the quickest? or that the quick?" She said, "Well, I'll go and check." And I'm like, "No, no, no, no. Just, just anything." And she's gone. And <laughs> so we're trying to save time. And this poor woman's going back with some phones. But she kitchen. must have been. Hundred. She must have been a hundred, but she was hilarious. And Liz was trying to give her a rule, and she's going, "No, no, stop! I can't go that fast." And she's, oh god, she was fantastic, wasn't she? She was a real character.
0: Anyway, we went to see Oppenheimer, <laughs> and it was very, very long. It was. It was all right for the first three quarters, wasn't it? It was a really good film for the first three quarters. Just end it when the bomb goes off.
1: My backside, I swear to God. There were so many
0: stars in it, I kept thinking, who's that, who's that, who's playing Truman, who's that? And this is all about how incredible men are, even though they destroy the world and have world wars. It's so how incredible men are. The only female characters in this film, it was well over three hours, Florence Pugh, who I do model myself on, actually, don't I? Well, twins...
1: Twins, list. We are twins. That's when you're not being twins with Megan. Yeah. Or who else was it? You've had a few. You've got a few twins. Kate Middleton. Kate Middleton. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Because the, yeah. Why like, did we have to keep seeing Florence Pugh's breasts?
1: Well, I'll be honest with you. Her riding him like sugar. Do you know what I mean? No, thank you. I'm so glad I didn't go with my mother.
0: I didn't need to say that didn't need to see it. I just think it's completely unnecessary. And his wife, played by the lovely PA in Devil Wears Prada, that was her best role. She'd never done better than that. No. All she did was pin laundry out and moan when the children cried.
1: Yeah, no, she couldn't deal with the children. She was another one, like your, your book last week, she's another one that couldn't deal
0: with the children. She was a drunk... So the only women who were portrayed in this very, very long film, one kept getting her breasts out and had a very sticky end. So she was a whore. The other one was a mother who kept doing laundry. And I don't see the point of doing laundry in the desert because it's dusty, isn't it?
1: Yeah, you wouldn't hang it out, would you? That's a good point. It was a
0: really good film. They kept riding horses as well, didn't they? Yeah. I got very anxious when they started uh, yeah, riding especially, horses. Especially
1: when they got in the tent in a snow in, in in a sandstorm and left the horses outside. Yeah, I was really super offended. And I really
0: hate it when they get off a horse and have a love scene. I'm like, well, what about the horse? Take the saddle off. Has he got water? Has he has he got shade? Has he got a fly yeah. mask on? I yeah. can't stand. Don't have any horses in these films.
1: I mean, it was beautifully acted. An amazing cast. It was. I mean, it wasn't. But Robert Downey film. Jr. looks older than me now. Man. Oh my god! I mean, when I think about like, Iron Man, Iron Man. Oh god, He's a Tin
0: Man now, isn't Iron it? Man. Yeah.
1: I mean, this business of like when you really have spent your like whole life looking at someone and thinking <laughs> I would, then suddenly reality hits that they also get older. It's not good, is it? But I'll be honest. Three quarters of the way into this, as much as I thought this was an excellent film and
0: stupid Tom Conti played. Einstein. Yeah. We're going to talk about Einstein a little bit later because I am very highbrow. I have an enormous brain. Okay. And we're going to talk about when I went to the Oxford Union and there was a picture of Albert Einstein. I'm like I'm breathing the same air as Einstein. I'm going to be more intelligent. I am breathing. <laughs> Don't think it works. Like that. But he was played by Tom Conti and he was like comical and he wasn't giving no. enough poodles. No. It was all about bloody Killian What's-His-Name with the cheekbones.
1: Yeah. Very nice eyes though. Very sparkling blue eyes I have yeah. to say. Thin yeah. wasn't he? I don't but like I, thin I think then. I think next time it's me choosing the film and I think we should see Barbie because it ha- did sell out the first week like more than any other film for a very long time. Selfridges has got a pop-up and we've got Barbie core where everything is pink.
0: I'm not interested in Barbie. I'm a Cindy girl.
1: <laughs> You're <a> Cindy <laughs> Apparently, you were telling me there's a very good speech, though, in it.
0: It's a really good
1: feminist speech in Barbie. By
0: America Ferreira, and she does a really good feminist speech saying that women can never, ever get it right. If you're not a mum, you're barren. If you are a mum, you're not allowed to moan about the children. and It's an amazing speech. And I actually think that speech should be read to every girl in school. Yeah.
1: So I think it's probably got depth that we need to explore. So I think we need to see it. I'll get no, some tickets.
0: No, I don't want to see it. Unless it's got Bradley Cooper in it, I'm not interested. Oh, for God's
1: sake. Please. Well, come on then. What's your book? That's what makes us varied. Well, I have been listening to The Last Word by Amy Price, who is Katie Price's mum. And I sort of wasn't attracted to it at first. It's been out a couple of weeks. So I sort of didn't read really, it. But I thought, oh, I've got nothing to listen to. I'll give it a go. It is... Excellent, it is really, really good The introduction is read by her mum Now, I don't know if anyone knows But her mum is is not very well Unless she gets a transplant, lung transplant She's dying So this is particularly poignant. She wanted to do this book to set the record straight um, About Katie and about her life And the introduction Literally by the end of it Listening to her mum I, I just wanted to cry Because I've seen her mum in the reality shows And you kind of get to feel you know these people, don't you? And it's it just it broke my heart the way she talked about her daughter, the way she talked about Harvey, you know, Katie's son. Um, it was, it was just so eloquent
0: and so beautiful. But it's her done. mom addicted to plastic surgery as well? No, do you know what? I what love? So, what made Katie Price go down the road that she well, went down? It's very does she interesting, it? yes, yeah,
1: she does. She does. She, they, she talks about her life, so her life growing up, Katie's childhood. And she does, she talks a lot about why Katie is the way she is, why she's so desperate to move on always to the next but why marriage. why is that? You're not telling me why. Uh, well, she was abused. She was put down for having a very small chest uh, when she was young. There was a lot of things that have sort of, as you read the, or listen to this book as I am, there's an awful lot that you think, yeah, I can really understand where she's coming from, why she does behave the way she does. But what I love about this is, yes, it explains about Katie. Yes, it explains about that. But what I really love about this is it it comes across, it's a real mother's love. And it's not a cloying, everything my daughter does is right and perfect. She's not like that at all. She's incredibly realistic and painfully candid. And you can see so many times there's a real frustration for, for some of the decisions that Katie makes and some of the things she does, alongside a love and a respect for what she's achieved. And, a, you know, you can sort of, she says a few times, oh, God, not again, you know, another bloke that she's in love with. And so she's super candid, and she reminds me of my mum, you know, very tell it like it is, on your side, 100% on your side, but not afraid, afraid to sort of, out that you're doing wrong or you're making stupid decisions or pull you up on it so it's a really good book from that point of view and the one thing i thought about reading this that was really sort of obvious was how other people's lives can take over your own so her mom is looking after harvey she's looking after her daughter she's there for them all the time and somewhere in that she sort of stops looking after herself she stops being who she is who is she she's Katie Price's mother, she's Harvey's grandmother, and the other children, obviously. So she decides to go off to India to do some charity work for three months and find herself. And she goes off, she doesn't have any much contact with the family. My mum never did that, she just went to Sainsbury's in Chelmsford. And I, well, do you know, it sort of really made me think that. How people take over our lives with their dramas, not intentionally, yeah not out do that. Of, no and and it actually made me think about it about me. It did because katie is, is very full on she's always got a drama, she's not obviously meaning to do that to her mum, but you can see her mum sucked into it, firefighting for her, looking after her, and it's taken over her life, so going to India was her way of reclaiming some time to herself, and it was it was a really sort of positive thing for her to do. And then you found when she landed, when the plane landed again, instantly she was sucked straight back into this old life of taking Harvey to school, looking after her daughter, embroidering the next um, relationship that Katie had and the trauma that came with that. And I I sort of took that away from the book with me and thinking, do you know what, my life can be very dramatic, I'm doing and how that must affect people around me. No, it doesn't. It's very draining. <laughs> no, it is. It's very draining. You know, so I've, I'm often saying to my, oh, God, you know, I'm running late. Can you pick Boris up or from play school? Or can you look after Rosie? Or my batteries died in my car. Can you, you know, My poor mum just sort of gathers up, comes out and rescues me every time. And I'm 53. You know, and it, it sort of really made me look at myself uh, and also look at my boundaries with other people. I think... If you take anything away from this book, it's how much mums really do do for their kids, even whatever their age and or how much they love their kids. If you're lucky enough, obviously, to have that sort of relationship with your mum. I know we, we all don't. But also your responsibility to actually be aware of how you drag people into your drama and how it affects them. It, it really brought that home to me and... To be, yeah, to just sort of just be aware of it, and also be aware of it for yourself, not to be dragged into other people's drama in the same way. To maintain well, I try your not own to integrity, do it, but
0: sometimes it's sort of forced on me. Yeah, and I think, and obviously, this is how Amy felt, and I have a lot of problems and a lot of difficulties, deadlines, pressures. I don't give them all to you. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, and I think you know, and I think.
1: Nobody does it on purpose. You know, like, Katie isn't doing this to her mum on purpose. She's she, just she is, having. Really. No, I, I... I think if you're an adult,
0: you need to take control of your own life.
1: I don't know. I don't think it's that easy. I think when you've got... You're shaped by your experiences or you're shaped by who, you know... There has
0: to come a point where women grow up. And, yes, my mum looked after me. But when as soon as I was old enough, I, yeah. I started helping her.
1: Well, I, I just felt very sympathetic towards Katie Price, very sympathetic, and and I felt very sympathetic and respectful of her mum. Her mum is just amazing. I love her mum. Reading this, I just love her mum. She's so much like my mum.
0: Well, we're going to talk about me versus Katie Price. We are, then. yeah. We In are. the archive. In the archive. Right, do you want to hear this with column? Yes. In which I receive a VIP invitation. Ooh. You've kept this one quiet, Jones. Not really. <laughs> well, till now. <laughs> do you want to watch a match on Centre Court? Now, you know how I love tennis. You do love tennis. I love tennis. I love tennis. I used to love Chris Everett. Oh, Guillermo Villas. No. Billy Nastase. Jimmy Connor.
1: Oh. The most interested I've ever Beyond been was watching. Borg. No, most interested I've ever been is watching Brad Pitt sitting there. That that got my interest in Wimbledon. That was it.
0: No, no, no. So I was invited to see a match on Centre Court. Me, I'm watching the tennis now. Thank you. Some Eastern European woman with a jaunty ponytail reminds me of being bullied at Brentwood County High School. Him? No, I'm inviting you to Wimbledon. I'm VIPing it okay oh dear god do not ever tell me you are viping it the very sentence makes my already small ovaries shrink and die at first i think he's trying to be nice cheer me up given my recent story in the daily mail where i met my ex-husband people keep worrying about my mental health after this feature What with me having met my ex for a work assignment But I keep giggling at the fact he clocked my platinum and diamond engagement ring And said, who are you marrying? No, forget it, I'll Google it Oh, the joy of fame Never having to explain Anyway, me again What day? I'm very busy and important (laughs) Him, men's finals (gasps)
1: Oh! That that got know you there, that. didn't it? That got you there. No fact.
0: Yeah. But as always in Lizzie's life, there's an up and then there's a down. A jellyfish hoves into view, shimmering. Ow! Ow! Ow Me. Haven't you got a girlfriend? Remember the clumsy message he sent after Gracie died? My girlfriend lost a dog as a child, so she knows how you must be feeling. Uh, oh, uh, jellyfish That's a no That's not tactful Him It's a big gang I've got a slot How to make you feel important I am now a slot You're a slot Okay So I'm to sit in huge The Rose Sunnies And have members of the public Viewers, my ex-husband David See me on BBC One and think I don't have a job I think going to watch the tennis is laziness I'm not Sue Barker or Cliff Richard. Hang on a minute.
1: Watching the telly, is this along with drinking
0: hot drinks after breakfast? I don't think or- anyone should drink a hot drink after breakfast. Oh, dear. I don't know. All these Enders cuts of oh, tea and lattes. Tea. How many times a day in it do I say, Miranda Priestley <coughs> fashion, why haven't they returned my email? Why haven't they said whether they want that review of the Chanel show or not? They must all be sitting there drinking lattes and chatting. She does. She does. How God many for times a bid. day do I
1: say that? And if you go out to lunch or something and you say, Would you like a coffee? I don't drink hot drinks. It's a lazy it's a sign
0: of laziness, so I'll have a glass of wine but instead. The farrier came <laughs> the other day for the horses and as he left I said to Nick, don't chat to him. She did. She did. She wastes. Hours a day chatting. Oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Chat, <laughs> chat, 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 chat the poor about man. nothing.
1: The poor man. I was passing the time of day with him as he was He getting doesn't in his want to car. chat to you. He does. He loves he me. He wants to go to his wife. No, he doesn't. He loves me. Loves me.
0: Me. I've just been to a spa and they told me I can only go out in the sun between 8am and 9am. Or what? He said. I age prematurely. Mm. Well, not that prematurely, given my ex-husband thinks I'm obsessed with being older than he is, which I'm not. At least I can fit through doors.
1: Oh, hey.
0: Him, you sound bitter. Me, I'm not actually. I just wish my high school, instead of teaching me about truncated spurs and Brazil nuts, had told me to never, ever marry down, and I must never, ever let people use me as a cash point. Him, I've had that too. No one ever appreciates the work it took to get you success. The sleepless nights, the fear, the exhaustion. That's why I like tennis. The athletes have practised day and night since they were toddlers. Their every move is analysed. They succeed only if they work hard and have talent and they win. Remember that, the haters are just jealous. I'm reminded of an email exchange with a reader in Canada about my ex-husband. She says, from a psychological point of view, it shows he's had all that bar building up in him for a very, very long time. The verbal violence seems like the explosion of years of resentment and self-loathing. And just like that, with two missives from people who care about me, I felt a little bit better. And I said, yes, please. Yay! But I have a particularly good moan this week. Do you want to hear what that is? Go on, do it. Rich columnists in Sunday newspapers, which isn't me, by the way.
1: Well, hang on. reader last week said you had five million. Yeah,
0: but they were wrong. <laughs> Same as Wikipedia says I was born in 1948. I wasn't. <laughs> Rich columnists who tell readers they must take their biggest, heaviest pot, their heavy chopping board, a fish slice, a lemon zester, and a roasting tray to a holiday let. Just book a hotel. No. Book a hotel. Who takes a saucepan on holiday? How is it a holiday if the woman has to pack a saucepan, a lemon zester, a heavy chopping board, their best knife, a roasting tray on holiday? It's not a holiday. Book a hotel, you cheapskate. That's a no on every
1: level. It's ridiculous Unbelievable Unbelievable What I'd, planet are they on? I'll be honest with you I, I mean And I know it's more practical For people with families And that But As a woman Without With without, with dogs instead I want hotels Where they bring me food I've got to be honest I want How places Where they bring me food it a If you're taking your sauce No No uh, No No At the very worst there's, there's, there's chips No Just stay at home Or don't go
0: You can read this week's diary in full in *Men Man on Sunday's You magazine. Anyway, do you want to hear my archive? Yes. The archive? And we're going to Katie Price now. Aren't you? Katie you... Price. <laughs> my encounter with Katie Price, it was very underdressed. So this was at Cambridge. So I've done the debates at Cambridge a few times. I've done the debates, debates at Oxford. When I went to the debates at Cambridge, I made David Wong go with me. Why? Because I felt I needed someone on my side and someone to go to dinner with. They make you have dinner beforehand. And it's horrendous. The dinner beforehand is the most painfully experienced. You're with these 18-year-olds. They're supposed to be the cream... Of the crop They got into Cambridge They got into Oxford And they don't ask you One single question About your career They just say Oh Can you get me Work experience Mm -hmm. How do I work in Fleet?" They don't say Oh I loved your piece On this I loved your piece On Somalia I loved your piece On the earthquake I loved your piece On the famine They just say How can I get Work experience It's a shame actually
1: Isn't it Because I know You know You was at a dinner party Wasn't you And there was some stu- fashion students there. And they could have really tried to to get some information out of you. You know, what was a really good way to get into the industry? Who should they be contacting? What was your experience with that? And, and they wasn't interested at all, was they, chatting no. to You? We did have Matthew who wrote in and he was saying about all the articles he likes of you and how you've inspired him. So... Other people do that, just not people that are lucky enough really to be able to do no, that. No, because I think they're
0: so privileged. Yeah. And they've been shoehorned and they've got these families who do everything for them. They haven't learnt how to look outside of themselves and no. be interested in other people. And if you want to work in journalism, you've got to be interested in other people and stories and be passionate about something and make it meaningful. It's not just about getting a job and earning money. It's about change. It's about changing the world, yeah. changing the law. You know, I was instrumental in getting CCTV cameras into abattoirs. Yeah. You yeah. know, I've been to Marks and Spencer's board and I've showed them videos of calves being taken away from their mothers and the board of MS were crying. Yeah. You have to have a higher purpose. And these people don't have a higher purpose. No, and they seem to have quite an ego as well, don't but they? But this debate was about the glass ceiling and a yeah. women are their own worst enemies. And... I was arguing the only limit to female success is female ambition. But unfortunately, I had two things against me. One, I couldn't hear what anyone else was saying. and Two, I kept forgetting which way I was arguing. (laughs) That's not helpful. Not helpful. Which way am I going? It's like... You're serving tennis, and you forget which end. I didn't. I kept forgetting which way I was arguing. Because you're put into teams, aren't you? When you're you're invited, you're put into teams. Well, run, yeah. yeah. So on my team was the author Steve Moxon. Never heard of him. Rachel Johnson, sister of Boris. She was famously called by Will Self a poppingjay. I had to look that up because I haven't been to Oxford or Cambridge. <laughs> Editor in chief of the Lady, and I write in this column which is 2012 in January in the mail on Sunday I'd worried Rachel would be icy (laughs) given what I'd just written about her piling food from Waitrose in Kensington into her car on a Friday afternoon before driving down to her inherited home on Exmoor but to her credit, was she was she was magnanimous. But then I wrote another piece about Rachel in a book to celebrate ten years of Channel Four, and I wrote about how I was all dressed up and had designer bag and designer clothes because I thought, oh God, it's Cambridge. And she had a rucksack. So I wrote a piece in Channel Four's book about her having a rucksack. But anyway, we're not friends. <laughs> you may not be so magnanimous now. On the opposing side which I think was claiming women are still discriminated against, I kept getting confused and worried my speech would argue the wrong way, was Charlotte Veer from a think tank. What are think tanks? Are they like where you go swimming? No. And a second-year economics student called Anna, who I very quickly took a dislike to. Anna. Poor Anna. The third member of her team was Casey Price, and she turned up in a tracksuit and she was in a very bad mood. Aww. We had drinks before the debate in the library. It left me wondering why A level student Ellie Nowell objected to the architecture at Oxford. As I walked over the cam, dodgy bicycles, I wished with every particle of my being that my higher education had not taken place astride the Elephant and Castle roundabout. <laughs> During the drinks, <laughs> visions. I went up to Katie, who, despite the black tie code, was in sparkly treggings. I told her I was glad there was someone in the room who'd had more plastic surgery than me, but she didn't laugh. I hope you're not going to write anything negative. That's my impression of Katie. Is it? As she teetered around with her entourage and film crew, she said she was shitting herself, which made two of us. Young, beautiful women and handsome men with pink cheeks kept introducing themselves. If only my parents... Had had an ambition for me, other than to make it to adulthood without being run over, I could have come here and glided through life. I'd have made contacts, been given a leg up, rather than having to scrabble at the bottom of the pile. I felt I had a lot in common with Katie Price. All we have to offer is hard work, tenacity and a thick hide. I was up first. Bear in mind I'm deaf. Difficult shoes. Nervous. My argument was that women put domesticity before work, which, when it lands on their desk, is an annoyance. Anna, the student, quickly got on my nerves. She took exception to my argument, saying all the women in the room had worked hard to get to Cambridge. True, but I wonder how many come thirty-five will go part time or give up work altogether. Given they will inevitably marry alpha males able to afford to keep them. I'd like to go back there and find them and tra- I'm going to hunt them down. I'm going to tra- chuck. I'm like Robert De Niro, aren't I? And meet the parents. I'm going to hunt you down. I'm going to hunt you down. I'm going to find out if you gave up your career at thirty-five despite your expensive education. Being warned, she's coming after you. Anna was overconfident, which is dangerous. You need humility when starting out. She said that when women get to the top, they behave like men and never mental young women, which is just not true. I got around the throat afterwards and I said to her, how many offices have you worked in? I've worked in offices oh. since I was 20. I've mentored and mentored and mentored young women and they all flake out. Oh, no, I'm going to go and run a bedsit in the Lake District. Oh, no, I'm going to go and live in Ramsgate and have children. They all flake out. I don't really like this gender
1: stereotyping. You know, they behave like men are never meant to young women. I think
0: that's just an assumption. Anyway, so I said to her, I... Mentored so many young women They disappeared to have babies Forgetting they have a debt to repay No thought of loyalty And anyway How can Anna possibly know She's not yet had a job It's as if these intelligent young people Only believe in cliches Not the real world Which I suppose is why The architecture is delusional The real world is ugly Boring and difficult Katie Price gave not so much an argument, but an account of how she made it. A single mum, she worked hard. She's a strong person, she said, and despite criticism, has never lost her self-belief. Lots of young women stood up and said that Katie was an incredible role model. I was surprised. I would have thought these super bright girls would balk at a woman who posted page three. The antagonism in the room towards me, a journalist, top journalist, was okay. staggering. When Katie looked at me and said, and when people like you, Liz, publish stories without checking them out, everyone cheered. Then one student stood up and said, success can mean being the woman a man comes home to every night. You what? We've been fighting for 40 years not to be that. Of course my mum was a success. She raised seven children on no money. She had a husband who worshipped her. She didn't have to try and have a high-flying job. These women are in a fantasy. Of course I lost... I think I got one yay. (laughs) That's only because I made David one go through, because you have to walk through a door to vote. I said, you get through that door. Go through that door. (laughs) I made him go through (laughs) that door. She got 400 votes. But I still think I'm right. I found over 30 years that women squander opportunity. They return investment with maternity leave, stress, tears, 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 more tears, gossip, lattes, sandwiches. Unless we acknowledge this, nothing will change But I still wish I'd gone to Cambridge I'd have demanded an easier life While these youngsters see me as the ultimate me columnist They are the ultimate me generation Selfish, spoiled and full of entitlement Wow Every week, lots of you get in touch Telling me what you think about my life and my decisions so I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess.
1: <laughs> Do you want to know what the, the, the readers are Come saying? Come on, readers. Come on, readers. Let's rescue the situation. We have Jan. And Jan says, Hi Nick, so happy that Minnie is okay. I couldn't buy last week's mails, I couldn't bear any more grief. I've come to the conclusion that Liz has absolutely exquisite taste in all things, apart from men. I do actually. Apart from men. <laughs> I'll second that Jan. Perhaps you should work on that or preferably kick them into touch and channel will obviously bound this affection towards her four-legged loves. They will never, knowingly, let you down and wouldn't judge you, even if they knew how. Take care Jean Yeah that's true You're dodgy tasting men That's true
0: Now get to Alex Now Alex you're our new favourite Alex is our new favourite You're going to be our mascot Is our new favourite Liz and Nick
1: Another brilliant podcast again this week A barrel of laughs from start to finish Gave it three listens Instead of my usual two As it was so good We love you Alex We love you I am only 18 Yay Mal 18 Yay My type Unfortunately gay Sorry Nick Oh <laughs> He's been warned about you Oh he's been warned about me So we've decided Alex That obviously at first 18 and Mal You was on my radar As you're now off my radar We now want to adopt you Don't we We love yeah. you And we want to adopt you Can I you. adopt him Well can't I have him as well Can't we be joint no, adopters no. Why not Don't be mean We both love him, and I am besotted by the podcast column and your other work. Such a shame that more people my age aren't aware of your incredible writing skills, achievements and awards. You see, he's been listening to this, awards, the subliminal things working. Currently, we're re-watching Liz's time in Big Brother on YouTube, and I look forward to every evening sitting down and seeing it. The last time I saw Liz in the house was when I was nine years old. Try and make me feel better Alex You were nine, you were a toddler <laughs> I vividly remember seeing the bathtub meltdown with Louisa And I often look at it online whenever I'm in need of a good laugh Hope you're both doing good And I'm looking forward to the next week's podcast We're doing better now, we've got you Alex Alex
0: in Ireland We love Alex I'm going to adopt him Wait, we, we can adopt him well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit melpluscouk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcast videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick.
1: Goodbye. Goodbye.